0: Well, Psalm 4 is an evening psalm. We're going to close out our series on summer series on psalm this week with Psalm 4 and next week with Psalm 5. Psalm 4 is an evening psalm and Psalm 5 is a morning psalm and their prayers. It says this in Psalm 4. Answer me. When I call, O God of my righteousness, you have given me relief when I was in distress. Be gracious to me and hear my prayer. O men, how long shall my honor be turned into shame? How long will you love vain words and seek after lies? But know that the Lord has set apart the godly for himself. The Lord hears when I call to him. dwell in safety. Let's pray one more time. Heavenly Father, Lord, as we prepare to take communion and to hear from your word, let's pray that you would make the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts acceptable in your sight. Remove every distraction and encourage us in your word and help us to respond to it. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. What was this? Is a Psalm of David. This David wrote this. David wrote most of the Psalms, and this fall we're going to do a series on David. So hopefully, at the end, we'll feel like we even know David more when we come back to the Psalms. But this is a Psalm of David, and the Book of Psalms is a book of prayer. It's a prayer book for the church to know how to pray and how to to live in a life of prayer. So when we come to Psalms 4, the question is, what's the reason for this prayer? It's the first question I want to ask. What's the reason for this prayer? Why did David say this? Answer me when I call, O God of my righteousness. You give me relief when I was in distress. Be gracious to me and hear my prayer. In verse 2, he says what he's going through. He talks about these men who have Turned his life into shame and they will are saying vain things about him and they're turning after false lies And there's all kinds of different ideas. What is he specifically talking about? It doesn't specifically say some people tie it into the psalm 3 where david is has is running from his son absalom But I don't think that's what the context is some people t- tie it into david was the king He was in charge and that at situation in that society the king was looked to to control the rain and there was a drought in israel and people were wondering why is this not happening you're the king you're supposed to be connected to god let it rain and and so people were shaming him and talking about he's not a great king and they were following after lies or after false gods and david says how long is this going to happen but he was getting slandered things that were being lies were being told about him Have you ever had that happen to you someone slander you at work Someone I'm going to start talking, saying lies about you, things that aren't true. That's what David's going through. He says, you gave me relief when I was in distress. And the word distress in verse 1 is this idea of being in tight places. He is pressure cooked in. He is being crunched. You felt like that before? You've had people do that to you and you don't know how to fix it? You can't fix it. Every time you try to fix it, it doesn't get better. This is the situation David was in. He was in a tight, pressured situation. He was being lied about. He was being slandered. He was emotionally getting beaten down, and there was nothing in his own that he could do about it. I don't know if you saw that video in Australia this week. It was all over the Internet where this guy was walking onto the tram, and he got his foot caught in the the situation and was stuck. The train couldn't go, and all these people just stopped, and they pushed the train. And he was able to get his foot out. But he was in a tight space. There was nothing he could do about it. He was in great distress. That's where David's at in this psalm. He needs help. And he can't fix it. But he prays an evening psalm. The reason for his prayer was slander and lies. And his credibility was being questioned. And he did nothing wrong. It was unjust. Injustice was taking place Then, Have you ever been falsely accused? Have you had injustice done to you? That's the same situation that David was in. That's the reason for the prayer. But before we understand the prayer, we're going to look at four things. The outline isn't as important as the message of the psalm. But we're going to look at the reason for prayer, the rhythm of prayer, the recognition, David's response, and his refreshment. But what's the rhythms of prayer? This is a prayer. The book of Psalms was written to help us know how to pray. And so to understand the rhythm of the prayer, we have to understand the rhythm of the book of Psalms. And book of Psalms, Psalms chapter 1 and Psalm chapter 2 are introductions. They're introductions. Say so this is the introductions to know how to pray and you relate to God. Psalm 1 is saying you are a tree planted by the rivers of water. If you're a follower of God, if you're a person of faith, if you follow Jesus Christ, you are to be like a tree. You are meant for life. And then chapter 2 of Psalms is also an introduction. And it says, the first one is about man, that we were created to be about life. Be like trees planted by rivers of water. And then the second psalm, if you read Psalm chapter 2, is about all about God. And how God ultimately reigns. And he will reign in this earth. But then you get to Psalm chapter 3. And this is no accident, I don't believe, how it was lined up in scripture this way. You get to Psalm chapter 3 in the first verse of psalm chapter three after hearing that man is supposed to be made about life and being like a tree and then psalm chapter two is about god and how god is sovereignly in control and the first verse of psalm chapter three the first prayer in psalm says this oh lord the first words oh lord how many are my foes many are rising against me that's life And so the book of prayer is written, the book of Psalms is written to help us know how to pray. There's a rhythm to it, that we were made for life, and that God is ultimately in control, but this world is broken. So our reality, more often than not, is how many are my foes and the struggles, and most of my time I feel like I'm in tight places. So God, help me, and where can my help come from? That's the rhythm of prayer. And then you come to Psalm chapter 4 and Psalm chapter 5. Psalm 4, for centuries now, has been read as an evening psalm of how to pray, how to go through life, and how to understand and deal with these situations. It's different, though, wouldn't you think you'd put the prayer for the morning first and then the prayer at the end second? That's not what the Bible does. That's not what God does. That's not the rhythm of the book of Psalms. The rhythm of the book of Psalms is the evening prayer is first, and then the morning prayer. Life is a fight, isn't it? And the word in the book of Psalms tells us that we can fight the fight of faith. Because if you don't know this yet right at the beginning of how God says, this is how the church is to pray and how Christians are to pray. And he says, we're in a fight. It's, it's, people are against us. There's all kinds of oppo- opposition. You're going to be misunderstood. You're going to be mistaken. You're going to be misguided. And you're going to be maligned. And that's just by yourself. We are, we are the biggest deceivers of ourselves. We, we mistake ourselves. We misunderstand ourselves. We're misguided by our own selves. And then you take ourselves... And then you take the rest of the world, and that's how we battle through life. And so life has to be a fight of faith for us. That's the reality that we're called to do. Fight the fight of faith. And Psalms is beautiful because it helps us do that as we understand the reason for why we pray and the rhythm for how prayer should be. But what does David do in this? There is a recognition as he prays. So he calls out to God at the beginning, the first chapter. And then in verse 2, he explains the situation. And then in verse 3, he's still talking, as this is poetry, he's still talking to the people who are against him. But he says, know that the Lord has set apart the godly for himself. He's telling them, if I could say this to my enemies, I would say, hey, know that the Lord has set apart the godly for himself. And then it's almost like it dawns on him. This is true. The Lord has set apart the godly for himself. I have been set apart. And he says, the Lord hears when I call to him. It's almost like, yes. He realized in the midst of all he was going through and he said, this is what I'm facing. If I could just say this to my enemies and listen to the, the church and to the, his people, this is what we need to do as we fight faith. When he realizes that the Lord has set apart the godly for himself, then he says, the Lord hears with confidence. The Lord hears when I call to him. We are set apart, if you are followers of Christ, as Christians, as people of faith. God has set us apart. So even though we lament much, we can have great confidence that God is for us. And he says, the Lord hears when I call. And this gives David great confidence and you can almost see it turn in the song he's now got this confidence of who god is and what and who he is in god and then he says he speaks to the people who are against him and the people who are around him to figure out how to live and deal with life but he's i think speaking to himself to his enemies and to the people of god and he says it with compassion when David realized, though, that God was for him, his response in four through six is compassion and not cockiness. You've been at work and you were been maligned. You've been accused of something, or you just it didn't happen the way it was wrong, and, and now you you finally get some justification, and you have a chance to prove to everybody that you were right. That's what David realizes. He has this chance now. There's this moment. God's for me. He can prove that what these guys are saying is not true. But David does not get cocky. He actually turns to compassion for these people. And this is his response to that. He says, be angry and do not sin. Ponder in your own hearts and your beds and be silent. Offer right sacrifices and put your trust in the Lord. This is the response of the people of God when we're under the pressure cooker. But when we realize that God is with us, we can be confident in God, even though it's difficult. We need to pray this at night. It's an evening prayer for us. God says this, be angry and do not sin. That's what it says in Ephesians chapter 4. Be angry and do not sin. There's a lot of things that make us angry, aren't there? You watch the news this week, and there's all kinds of things that will rile us up and make us angry. There's all kinds of injustice all over the world that should rile us up and make us angry. And it should make us angry. But we should be angry and do not sin. That's one way to look at it. Also, that word, be angry and do not sin, also means tremble. So I think David is talking to these people who are accusing him, and he's saying, Be angry or tremble before God almost fits even more. And do not sin. Ponder on your own hearts in your, on your beds and be silent, which is what that sila means. Just pause. When we are going through difficult times, and we're being slandered, and when we are being lied about, everything in us wants to do what? Speak. Let everybody know this isn't true. That's not right. You can't do that to me. You can't talk to me. But that's not what David says at all. He says we need to speak to ourselves and go against everything that is in us. As part of our human DNA that's been corrupted, we want to justify ourselves. We want to say, no, fix it. And God says, no, first, be angry and do not sin. Ponder in your own hearts on your beds and be silent, which goes against everything we believe and struggle with. Because we fight to be happy, and Christians should be happy. But it says we need to ponder these things in our hearts. When we are struggling, and when you're struggling, when you're being slandered, when you're being lied about, when you're going through the pressure cookers of life, the reason why I believe, and Eugene Peterson said this well, the reason I believe that Psalm 4 is an evening prayer is because it is all about recognizing that God is in control. Because if you don't let God be in control, you will not sleep at night. Or you will use sleep for the wrong reasons. You'll be so depressed, so angry, so bitter that all you'll want to do is sleep. So before that we can ask God to help get us out of the situation, God gives us this evening prayer. To pray at the end of a day, in a sense. Say, God, I worked all day. I lived all day. These things were said about me. And I want to fight back. But instead of fighting back, we need to be silent before God and ask, speak to ourselves, think in our minds, meditate on our hearts, ponder on our own beds and be silent before that we can go and ask God to do something. Because if you don't do that and if I don't do that, the pressure is going to keep me up all night. And the pressure is going to keep you up all night, love, sleepless nights. And we'll be tossing and churning, trying to figure it out on our own way. How am I going to fix this situation? And we can't. Or we'll just want to sleep so much, and we can't. And God does not want us to live that way as Christians. He does not want us to have to live with sleepless nights, great anxiety. That's not what he says to do. It says in Matthew 6, 34. He says, therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow. For tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. He doesn't want us to live in anxiety. He doesn't want us to live that way. So he's saying, this is how you can pray. Let me help you when you're in your tight spaces, when you're being slandered, when you're being emotionally punched. Let me help you. Be angry and don't sin. Ponder in your own hearts. We want to be happy. And Jonathan Edwards, when he was 18 years old, one of the greatest minds america has ever produced one of the greatest preachers in the history of the church he preached the message when he was 18 called christian happiness it was his first message he ever preached which sounds like an 18 year old message uh we're supposed to be happy that just be happy but that is what we are called to do as christians and but this is the points of his message his first point was our bad things will turn out for good romans 8 and the second point was our good things will never be taken away from us. And his third point was the best things are yet to come. That's a good message. That's a good outline. Our bad things will be turned for good as Christians when we're going through all this struggle. Romans 8 says all The bad things that happen to us are for our good some way. And if you don't hold on to that, and if I don't hold on to that, we'll never make it. You'll never sleep. You'll always be tossing, always be turning, always be anxious. But then we also know that our good things will never be taken away from us. God's grace will always be there for us. His mercy will always be there for us. His justification will always be there for us. And this is the worst it's going to be. The best is yet To come. So when you're laying in your bed at night after a long day of being slandered and you've been a rough day at work and you've been pinched and you're pressured and your kids are causing you pain, don't speak. Speak to yourself and ponder on your own hearts and remember that our bad things are for our good and we have a good God. Our good things will never be taken away from us. And this is the worst it will ever be. Be the best is yet to come. And then David says, Offer right sacrifices and put your trust in the Lord. This is the response to this. John Newton, who I have been loving, he wrote Amazing Grace, he has a lot of great letters. He says this about suffering and pain. He said, Since all that I meet shall work for my good, the bitter is sweet, and the medicine is food we are called to put our offer right sacrifices and put your trust in the lord how how do we do this though how can we pray this way we have to pray this way you have to end your nights this way if not you'll wake up again thinking it's all on you to fight through the day god does not want us to live that way he does not want you to live that way he does not want me to live that way but i often find myself living that way way too anxious way too nervous, way too frustrated. So before I can pray the morning prayer of God, do your will, we have to pray, God, it's your will that I'll follow. And your way, all ways, is what we're called to do in this prayer. It's our response. But how can we do this? What's the refreshment? How can this be good? How can this feel like diving into a pool of water and the world be gone and knowing that we're safe and protected? That's what David says in verse 7 and 8. You have put more joy in my heart than they have when their grain and wine abound. In peace I will both lie down and sleep. For you alone make me dwell in safety. What did David know? That we can know? David was absolutely confident that God heard him. And you look at David's life and it's like, wow. How can that guy who lived that life have that much confidence that God heard him? He did. But it wasn't because of David. It was because of what he said in verse 1. Answer me when I call, O God of my righteousness. David said, "God, don't hear me, don't listen to my prayer because of me. Because if you were if I got what I deserved, God, it would be your wrath and your anger just the same with us. If we get what we deserve, if it was based off our righteousness, if it was based off how you lived at work or how you lived that day, if God was going to answer your prayer, we'd all be in trouble. You would be in trouble. But it's not. It's not based off of our righteousness. It's based off of God's righteousness. So how can we know That God hears our prayers. So when we lay down in the evening. And pray through Psalm 4. And talk to our hearts. That are all wound up. All tightened. All scared. All nervous. How do we meditate. In such a way that we can let God's word. Soak through. And we soften our hearts. And we calm ourselves. And not just our bodies at our rest. But our souls each night, are at rest. It's by not trusting in your own righteousness, but trusting in Jesus' righteousness. Because Jesus lived the life we could not live. He went through all the pressures. He's been touched by every situation that we've been touched by, the Bible says. And Jesus prayed. But as Tim Keller pointed out, when Jesus prayed... God didn't answer his prayer. When Jesus was in the garden of Gethsemane and God, Jesus prayed, God, if there's some way for this cup to pass over me, then take it away. I don't want to be in this pressure cooker anymore. His human DNA, I believe, was fighting against his spirit. So much so, so much tension in Jesus that he sweat blood drops because he was under so much pressure. And he prayed out to God, God, hear my prayer. Remove this cup from me. And his father did not answer that prayer. He said, no. And Jesus accepted the cup of his death and the cross so that when we pray, the unrighteous ones can know that God hears us. The righteous one's prayer was not answered so that the righteous, the unrighteous prayers could be answered. It's not our own righteousness. We can come to God with great boldness and with great joy in the midst of great pressures, in the midst of great slander, in the midst of great persecution, so much so that we'll have joy. David says, you have put more joy in my heart than they have when their grain and wine abound. He is still under the pressure cooker when he wrote that. His grain and his wine has not abounded yet. That's why he's asking God. I'm still hurting. God, help me. Answer me when I'm called. Help me. But he knows that his confidence is in God, that it's not based on his righteousness, it's based on God's righteousness. And because of that, he has great joy as he waits. And as he waits, he says, in peace, I'll both lie down and sleep, for you alone make me dwell in safety. That's our hope. As we come to the table this morning, we are coming as unrighteous Sinners, all week long, we've struggled with our thoughts, our attitudes, our actions. But because of Jesus' sacrifice on the cross for us, we can come and God sees us as righteous and he hears unrighteous prayers. So when you take the cup and when you take the bread, it is a reminder to us that as you go through the pressures this week to unwind your hearts at night, put your trust in God alone and be at peace, your body and your soul. And ponder it, work at it, fight for it. It is a fight of faith. Satan doesn't want, to ha- want you to have this. He wants you to stay anxious and worried at night. You have to fight for it. But it's offered to us because of what Jesus did. G- Jesus has conquered the obstacles for us to get to this point. We can fight for this daily and be at peace. The psalmist could be at rest because God reigns supreme. And so can we. We can be at rest each evening and come to the end of a day where we've been slandered, we've been pressured, we've been kicked upon, we've been, we just had the worst situation happen to us, or and still fall asleep at peace, not just our bodies and our souls, because of Jesus' righteousness for us. That's the gift of the gospel. Do you know Jesus? That's the kind of God we have. That's the kind of friend we have. Is that how your life is? Do you see Jesus that way? If you don't, the Bible says we can call unto him and he will answer us. And you can have that relationship with him. And if you're a follower of Jesus, don't spend your time in anxiety. Pray through Psalm 4 each night, this week, every day, and ask God to let my body and my soul be at rest. Let me give up my desire for control and let you take control. Let me say it is you alone. That makes me dwell in safety. As we take communion this morning, that's what we're being reminded. So we go out into this week again, we're being reminded that Jesus physically, literally, historically, and truly died for our sins so that we don't have to suffer the consequences of that. And we also reap the benefits that God hears us when we pray. So we can leave here with great Joy because God reigns supreme.
1: You hear me when I call, you are my morning song, though darkness fills the night. My feet, You are my sword and shield. Though troubles linger still, whom shall?